Hello, welcome to Making Sense Off, which is a series of podcasts um, the team at Foundation for Change have produced, where we, we really just chew the fat and discuss some uh, important subjects that are related to addiction, related to COVID, and related to kind of learning about psychology and understanding yourself, making like, like it says, making sense of. And I think I, I'm joined by the whole team today. So I don't know if you want to do a collective hello or just say a little bit of hello. All together now. Hello! hello. <laughs> I was, was kind of for something a bit more co- synchronised than that, what do you call it? You know, it was a really, really shit. Anyway, we're all here. And um, that's just, this is, uh, this podcast is related to the the, the one before this podcast, uh, where we, we, we introduced the idea of systemic thinking. So I thought it, it would be useful and probably necessary to just recap a bit um, on the last podcast before we plunge into more systems. So um, anybody remember, you know, how would we describe um, a system? It is um, a, it, it, it's not necessarily a thing, it's something which is slightly abstract, you know, um, and it has interconnecting parts. Um, so there can be lots of different parts which make it up. Um, each part sort of acts um on its own so uh you know then what 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 the system is is how those parts come together to work as one (laughs) yes um (laughs) i felt your pain um yeah i mean i think to think about to think systemically is to understand that everything that a, a system is a series of in of elements or, or parts that are interconnected and it's it's being able to understand the relationship between those things isn't it i think that's i think that's more accurate um yeah summary liz can i can i i put my hand up you can't see this because it's a it's an audio recording um but i've got a good example and i'm only kind of saying this because i wrote the handout for the last episode so it's in there and so one of the systems we're all familiar with is the digestive system and so if you think about digestive system, you know, all the different parts of it, you know, the different parts could be something like your mouth, your tongue, saliva, your food pipe, your stomach, enzymes in your stomach to break down the food, your intestines, um, and then your bum, your rectum. Um, and so like all of these different parts have their own kind of like functions. So like obviously teeth grind down the food and enzymes break it down and stuff, but collectively they all work together to get the nutrition that we need to stay alive from food. Yeah. And so, and, and kind of like, if one of those things is affected, it will have like some kind of knock on effect um, down the system. So if you, you know, you lose all your teeth, um, you know, you're gonna have to kind of like just drink blended food. Yeah. my favorite bit of the last podcast was you trying to explain cars um, <laughs> and uh, cars being a set of kind of you know interconnected elements um and and you know i was just thinking actually you what you need if you went to see a mechanic you wouldn't want them to just be able to name the bits of a car you, you need a mechanic to understand like you know what happens with spark plugs and um um 
you know, uh, God, the connection between spark plugs and something else in the engine. <laughs> See, I'm struggling now. Um, but, you know, you kind of, you want the mechanic to understand that. Oh, likewise, if you go to a restaurant, you don't want a chef that just kind of, you know, has a load of random ingredients and go, yeah, potatoes are food. Yeah, peaches are food. Uh, and, you know, yeah, so, you know, basil's a, a food. It's about understanding the relationship between those things. So. Bob's digestive system analogy is probably uh, the best we're going to get here. They are interconnected. Yeah, and another really quick example, sorry, I was just thinking of this because it's kind of connected. It's this idea of like when things are not seen as part of a system. And some of you, I'm sure, relate to this. I remember a long time ago, like I had a quite serious car accident. My car, my um, ankle was smashed. And I remember all these doctors would come to my hospital bed and would just kind of look at my ankle as if, the rest of me didn't exist, you know? So they looked at this kind of body part in this very kind of reductive way. And I remember just thinking like, hang on a minute, like I have feelings here, you know, my feelings are part of that system, but they don't kind of look at that. All they were looking at was kind of, um, I always thought they were like the kind of doctors who as boys just played with Meccano sets and took things apart because they were just interested in how things worked. They weren't really interested in how I was feeling. Yeah. yeah so so yeah so it's just like a good, I think a good example of seeing like an element of a system in a what's the word kind of unified way yeah when I was doing this I mean we'll come on to this a bit later because actually one of the systems we're in of course is education um or you know one of the systems we go through and all that kept running through my mind was um Pink Floyd the wall you know, it's just like I'm not just another brick in the wall I actually am mm. a human uh, within all this but I think I, I hope that's really clear about systems. You know, a system is a, a, a you know, a set of relationships really uh, between um, different elements of a whole. Um, and actually the definition of systems is that they share an environment. So I actually, you know, because rather than it be too broad, I just wanted to think about social systems that we're in in this episode. So I'm going to ask, ask the team kind of, can you think of, of social systems that you're in where you kind of, you share an environment with others and, and, and there is a common link? Family. Family. Why just, that's a, that's a really interesting one to start off with. Does that surprise anybody that family is a system? Did me when I, when I first learned that the family was a system, so I never thought that was a system. Yeah. Weird to think about it as a, as a system. Why did it surprise you? Because that's a really good point. Most people don't. Um, because because it's, it was just my family and who who I was, and it wasn't um, it wasn't everything out there. Maybe was systems and different, but this was how I was. So to learn that that it was um, really interesting for me to look at as a system, family. Yeah, so I mean, we'll, we'll come back to it. It's a big, big one. Um, needless to say, any other systems? When I just gave you, we talked about kind of um, education system just now, didn't we? We like with the, the wall thing, but it's like it, education is a system we enter um, at, God, is it five? You, you're made to go to school? No, talk to me. Yeah, about five, four. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can remember my days in, the education system, we're calling it a system. Um, yeah, and thinking about it now, sort of um, looking at it now, 
I had a real big problem because we moved about a lot. So I, I would leave a school and then go back to a school and it was never the same as where it was. I could never get back to friends that I used to have, back to the position that I was in as learning. And, and it, it was always like, I was really abstract from everyone. And I think it was because I was kept taken out and brought back six months later and stuff like that. That happened a few times in schools. So thinking of it as a system is probably because everybody else grew together and was a unit. And I sort of left and then come back and couldn't sort of squeeze into that unit the way that it used to be. Yeah. That's quite interesting because it kind of reminds you that systems have kind of rules to, that work. They all kind of work in a certain set ways. These systems have, you know, rules that, so like going in and out of education, you were breaking those rules and the system didn't work as well because the system wasn't made for people who've got traveling kids. You know, you were made, it was made for people that, that go to the same place day in, day out for, for a set amount of time. And, you know, for people who don't move around. Yeah. So yeah, sort of systems can be looked at differently if you're like out, outside of those systems, I guess. <laughs> this is exactly where I want this to end up End up uh, at the end of this podcast. Thank you, Heather. Um, but, you know, already, already the team are, are pulling systems apart and critiquing them, which is actually, you know, what, what, what we try to do in our charity. It's like, and our work is about, about kind of recognising those systems and, and kind of seeing where they don't, they don't meet people's needs, actually, you know. The, the whole very nature of systems is they can't they can't or they you know they aren't as responsive or flexible as they uh, I would like them to be or we would like them to be any other systems we're in that's interesting because actually just I, I'm just thinking actually like um we're actually in a health system aren't we there is a national health system just about um, but within within systems, there are also other systems. So the drug and alcohol treatment system sits within a public health system that's part of a wider national health system. So, you know, we can kind of cross over um, in systems. We can be in smaller systems and those those systems can kind of connect and cross over with other systems. Oh, I'm exhausted right now. I'm just thinking about that. But, um, uh, that you know so people can be in lots of different systems so you can be in the, the drug and alcohol treatment system which is part of a public health system which is part of the national health system but at the same time for lot, lots of people who also find themselves in the criminal justice system and those two systems there's lots of kind of overlap um yeah i like the idea i saw um your visual effects about cogs and it that thing of like there's the systems within systems so that nesting thing but also like the cogs from one system it all joins up it's all it's all part of the sort of like the greater thing isn't it and everything sort of like works in certain ways with each other yeah okay. like inter interconnected cogs kind of thing mm -hmm. Any other comments on systems we're in? I was in the brownies very briefly. I guess they count as a system, but I got asked to leave um, um, because um, I was also got asked to leave. It's a bit of a pattern of my life. I was also uh, not asked to leave, but ordered to leave um, the education system. I was expelled from school. And there you go. The system just went 
we don't we don't want you anymore go away um so you know that's a system expelling a a a person and because um, you didn't follow the rules that's what heather was saying about systems having rules yeah totally and same with same with the brownies man i can't remember why i was asked to leave the brownies but um i was i was in there very briefly i didn't really enjoy it much i wanted to be in the scouts but um because i wasn't a boy i couldn't be in the scouts i couldn't be in a different system I keep thinking a benefit system, that is a system as well, isn't it? Mm -hmm. <laughs> no, um, from what we say, that's a quite horrible system sometimes to be in and can keep you, I don't know, um, yeah, benefit system. I was just, it's been swimming around in my head. It's, it's a really good point because it's like it, it's a system that tries to keep you within a system, but also rejects you from the trying to get, you know, stop you being in the system. That's like, exactly what I was trying to say. Sanction you, yeah, at the same time, which, of course, is really, you know, dispiriting and confusing and horrible and, you know, distressing because the system is actually chewing you up, spitting you out and then pulling you back in again. And like you were saying last time, you know, there's this moralistic kind of attitude to people on benefits that they are, you know, they're lazy and it's their own fault they haven't got a job that they need, you know, they need handouts from the government, even though, you know, a lot of people who are, who are actually having benefits, accepting benefits, uh, only having to do that because the minimum wage doesn't actually cover your, your living. So, you, you know, the government's kind of money that they're giving you is actually topping up companies who are not paying you a proper wage and it's like they're yeah. pulling you into them systems as well it's they pull you into them systems sometimes when you're trying to maybe move away from a system you find that you can't and you get pulled back in they don't make it easy do they no well I, you you kind of you you're nibbling away at the edge of something i want to kind of go into a bit here and um, I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to make you all kind of meditate or anything, but I just want, and this is, goes to the people listening as well, but I just want, I, you know, for, for the team and people listening, I just, I just kind of want you to just visualise um, being in, you know, your absolutely favourite cinema, and it might be a bit hard at the moment, but if you remember, going to a cinema, like a really nice one, um, and, and the chairs are really comfortable and, you know, it, it, it's great being there and um, the lights, you know, the lights go down and the, the screen is really impressive and huge, probably, and the, the Dolby sound, do they still use Dolby or, the, the, you know, whatever fancy sound system kicks in and the sound's amazing. And uh, yeah, you're only at the adverts. And um, this is all very exciting. And then the film you're watching is really, really gripping and fantastic. What happens to you as a person? What's going on? You lose yourself. Yeah, you just, you just get pulled in to like the events. So it just, it, it, you lose your, who you are your sense of like, you know, um, objectivity or what's happening. I think it's really easy at cinema. It might be, you know, for some people it might be theatre or, you know, a, a gig or something, but it is that sort of idea of losing yourself in events that I, I wanted to sort of bring up because um, 
this kind of relates to you know lots of ideas about about education and 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 spotting systems and how to kind of work against systems but the idea is that that you know we're in a kind of spectacle and life that seems real that you know surrounds us like a, a giant a giant screen it, it just it, it, you know it's often portrayed as just how things are or you know particularly irritating for me is when people are oh it is what it is so and, and everything is just common sense because that's how it is and Tonya's idea earlier of the kind of um the family being a system is really surprising for people because people just go like, oh, families, you know, they've been around forever. They've been around since, you know, whenever. <laughs> I don't know when. Uh, but they haven't. Families haven't been the same forever. They've not been nuclear families. That, you know, those, those families kind of came out of a particular time, didn't they? So, but it's how systems present themselves as just how things are that, that 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 there's no history of them they've just been like that forever that makes sense i think of uh, like school you know as a system education as a system or health as a system yeah it makes sense i guess because again it's that thing of like you possibly wouldn't recognize it unless you're kind of maybe out of it you know so if you're brought up as a single in a single parent household or you know that system of like your man and the woman and the kids isn't isn't kind of like the same for everyone and that experience of family is it can be really you know di diverse it's not necessarily you know that heterosexual couple and and 2.4 kids or whatever you know it's kind of like changing and what's normal is not I think it's kind of widening what what we think of as as a system or changing changing in a way. Mm. The rules of the systems are changing. Like when we're talking about family, anyway. Yeah, and it, I mean, I think it constantly evolves. I think is the word because times change and. Um, the the world that we live in changes and we have to sort of keep up with certain things in, in different ways. Um, and so the way that the country or the way the world works financially uh, with big banks and everything like that means that families sometimes need to adapt depending on where we're sort of living in terms of religion. Um, in, you know, 500 years ago, it was very different because we lived in a very different world. So I think systems evolve um, depending, you know, on how things are histori historically. Yeah, I think I'd also kind of, um, you know, kind of, I don't know, caution against that idea of things are just improving as well. You know, oh. things are just changing and evolving because the idea of kind of the whole kind of thing about thinking systemically is that you're able to kind of step back out of a system and rather than feeling kind of, you know, um, the pain of being rejected by a system, say, is actually to sort of see the system for what it is. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like 
Um, like, so example, if we're talking about health systems, actually, you know, the, the drug and alcohol treatment system is a system that has been pretty much the same for a long time, since, since probably the late 1960s, or the 1965 was the kind of the really important point. Um, but before that, um, the drug and alcohol system treatment in, in England was really, really different, you know, and, and addicts were prescribed opiates as a, as a matter of course. It's really interesting. There's a whole really, really kind of interesting sub history about the history of the treatment system in England. But basically it changes in 1965 because actually different types of people are using drugs. They're not just kind of, um, kind of, you know, quietly quite sort of posh aristocratic people were the main consumers of drugs up to, up to the early 60s. Um, so the system changes, um, 65, but it, it just, you know, and then it kind of, it's 71, the Misuse of Drugs Act, but it, it sort of evolves as a system that everybody's just a bit like, oh, that's how the system is, you know, so what I'm, encouraging people to do is look at those systems and think well it's not just how it is that there, there are real kind of inequalities in that system and there are things in that system that aren't particularly working very well like you know the education system that couldn't couldn't um kind of respond to Tonya's movement within it um so it's you know this idea is you look at systems and you kind of see whether where they're not working rather than just assuming that they are adapting i mean yes they do adapt but actually there's an element of them not uh working too well so when people are like oh have an awareness of the system they are in um can actually connect people um and people form relationships within that system um, and, you know, I think, um, like, for instance, activism or uh, uh, people, any sort of kind of politics which can exist in that, like, if you're in the benefit system, the amount of people, like, you have conversations with where you get it and you can relate and you talk and then maybe spring into kind of some sort of action about it. So it's kind of like, I think there's a lot of... Um, the positive side of it is it can form quite incredible uh, relationships and conversation. Yeah, and it, you know, it's, it's all about kind of like that being able to sort of step out and look at a system for what it is, is, is it, you know, you, you're right, Bex, it connects, it can connect people and it's a framework of understanding, you know, like what's going on within that system, but also how, you know, what's going on in, in the world, if you want a really big system. Um, and, you know, we, we talked, didn't we, about, um, we you you know on, on our feminism for change program we use feminism as a kind of system a, a, a system of ideas a, a philosophy if you like as a way of understanding the system of patriarchy it uses one 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 approach to understand the system and and you know with other programs we use psychology to under for people to to help people to understand the system of their family say no it's interesting and it just reminded me of like when you when you're looking at a system like you like you're putting this lens on you're looking through uh you're looking at a subject through a kind of lens that that changes how you look at things yeah yeah the, i mean you know the, 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 there's, there's, there's loads of kind of 
I don't know, thinkers or philosophers or whatever, you know, artists, whatever. I mean, the whole point about art is it doesn't just not there. Well, there is there is a school that says art's there just to make things look pretty. But there's also a school of thinking that sort of says art is there. Any kind of art is there to make people think. You know, it's not just there to kind of add a, add a bit of decoration to your wall. And likewise, any kind of political thinkers or philosophers, you know, are, you know, see it as their task to make people think. And so when I was think when when I was thinking about this, the subject of this um, podcast, I was thinking about that there's a there's a really fantastic playwright and, and poet called Bertolt Brecht, who um, developed a kind of a way of an approach to theatre, right? He wrote plays, which is sometimes called epic theatre. And what, what, I mean, you know, Brecht thought that the, the, the role of art was to make people think rather than just entertain them, to, to make people think and think about the kinds of systems they're in. So, so he didn't want his audience to go to his, his theatre and sit in the nice comfy seats and get just immersed in the play and think, oh my God, this is amazing. Um, actually, he used loads of kind of techniques, uh, which he called the alienation effect. And what he was doing was like alienating his whole audience, you know, that were watching his plays so that they could, they didn't get too comfortable. So basically they could think. So he was all about kind of um, encouraging the people that came to see his plays to uh, not get comfortable in the chair, but think about what was going on in their lives and, and, you know, in the world around them. So there's an example of kind of using uh, systemic thinking. Um, but, you know, through art, loads of people kind of write. I mean, I kind of later on, I want to sort of think about some of the people I think that have influenced us, that who, who have written and, and talked about um, systems and, and looking at them critically and developing critical thinking, which is, I think Bob started off, you know, mentioned that. It's like, we, we, ha we have a session called critical thinking and, that just describes a way of, of thinking about the world and, and pulling systems apart and seeing, seeing how they operate and seeing the relationship between the components in those systems. And I think very much about understanding how those systems shape our lives mm -hmm. and the way that we think and the ways that our lives unfold. And I think if you're not aware of the systems you exist in, you can just get very easily battered around within a system without even knowing it. Yeah. I just want to pick up a bit more on on something I touched upon when, when I was talking about being in the cinema and kind of, you know, the big screen and the sound and actually just kind of really, really losing, losing a sense of who you are, actually, and just kind of getting immersed, immersed in, in, in a system or something. And, um, and also just to pick up on one of the systems that, that Tonya uh, brought up straight off that, you know, the family's a system. So I'm just wondering if, if as a team we can kind of pull that apart a bit, because uh, I think we, we kind of identified that it is a system and it's quite a surprising bit of knowledge to people that the, the family's a system, but also how easy it is to, to be, um, you know, get lot, lose yourself um, in that system. So. Um, 
Anybody, anybody want to start talking about families? And and and, and I think Bob was saying it's Christmas, so there you go. It's so, the time for families, which I'll say yeah. something about in a second. I was I was kind of thinking earlier, like when people were speaking about how the kind of the role of oppression in a lot of systems, not every single system, but like a lot of systems use oppression to kind of to to rule to or, or oppression is a really big kind of part of the functioning of that system. And I think that, you know, for people who kind of don't always necessarily know what oppression means, you know, I think one of the one of the ways that I always think about oppression in my mind is like a big hand kind of pushing you down, like a big hand from the top. And so I just think like linking that to families, I think a lot of families actually are quite oppressive in nature and a lot of families hold people back. And if you don't realize that your family's a system and your system, the family that you're in is kind of functioning in this way, you know, something that I think we see a lot in terms of like, you know, just having done this work for a long time is that people keep going back to their families to try to get their needs met. And actually what happens is they go back to their families, you know, the, this kind of repressive thing kicks in or is just there and their needs are not met again and again. And it's just this kind of brick wall that they keep banging their heads against. Because I think we're conditioned to believe that, you know, families are this kind of really beautiful, benevolent, happy functioning systems that we all want to be a part of. And the Christmas thing was like, I was talking to my partner the other day about Christmas and just saying how, you know, there is just this real push for like, oh, Christmas is a time of togetherness and family and it's the time where we love each other the most. And a lot of that for a lot of people is bollocks. And I know a lot of people who are actually really relieved that COVID means that they don't have to go back to their families for Christmas for the first time ever. Um, so I just kind of wanted to say something about how, you know, families can be really oppressive. And if you don't understand the nature of that system, how easy it is to keep going back and getting knocked about by that particular system. Yeah, and I suppose I'm thinking of the rules that we were talking about earlier. Families have rules as well. And if you um, if you try and come out of the system, then you sort of get um, looked down upon, not mm -hmm. liked. You're the bad one. So if you don't follow the rules of um, whatever your family system is, you know, if you try and better yourself, you try and move away, stuff like that, I'm sort of thinking about. And it can make you feel um, that you're the wrong one and that you, you're you're doing wrong so you might go back into that system because you don't want to upset yeah i mean because also we we want to belong so badly so it's always this kind of push and pull thing isn't it it's like yeah. people quite often just like stop fighting because it's so hard to be yourself for instance in that example that you just think okay well i'll be the person you think i am and you know any progress they may have made in their lives they regress and you know it's just families can really hold you back there's, yeah, there's a book by a lover, James, called They Fuck You Up, How to Survive Family Life. Um, and uh, which reminds me of the um, Philip Larkin poem. They fuck you up. Yeah, what is it? They fuck you up, your mum and dad. They don't mean to, but they do. Um, but in, in, in sort of psychotherapy, there's, there's something called, uh, which we, we teach on, on our courses, which is systemic therapy. And, and that was really interesting because just to pick up Tonya's point, you know, rather than 
that rather than imagine that the person who might be struggling because they've been excluded from that family system or you know pushed out for whatever reason rather than sort of focusing on that person and going oh well you know what's wrong with you systemic uh, you know, systemic um family therapy which it's associated with a guy called Murray Bowen and a group of psychoanalysts called the Milan School, um, which makes it sound like a fashion Ooh, house. House of Milan. Yeah, the v- voguing, the House of Milan. But actually, though, they are psycho, they're very serious, psycho, psycho, psychoanalysts. But, you know, they kind of saw that person within a system. And they're a very kind of, you know... It, that that's what they developed a way of working with people that that saw the individual actually as just part of a system so it wasn't just that you were the bad sheep of the family and it was you that was you know uniquely fucked up it actually went you are working in a system that is not working and they did like they did kind of like loads of work with um i think a you know anorexics um people who who were experiencing suffering from anorexia but seeing that as as a a kind of carrying something of the family not just as an individual so I, I did um systemic family therapy once in a kind of gestalty way which i think was a slightly different way of doing it but they get you to i mean this goes back to the cinema thing they get you to like it's almost like you're the director and so that you know you're the one who's kind of like directing people like okay you're going to be the dad you do this, you're going to be the mom, you know, so you're in a group of people. And I remember doing it myself and having to choose all these different people to play all these different roles. And you literally are like as if you're behind the camera. So it just kind of really gets you to see how all of these kind of roles occupy the system and also what, um, how those different parts of the system kind of like, yeah, affect your life. It was really, really powerful. Aren't communicating. I've done that training too, yeah. and uh, it took me half a day. I was very skeptical. It took me half a day, and I was sobbing. Absolutely, I just found it the most incredible thing. It was just, yeah. Mm. You could just—it's like seeing for your own eyes what's not working, you know, rather than it being a thought. Um, it was really, really amazing. I think uh, so. Yeah, I think you know, like so, talking about systemic um, family work, often people. Um, well, often many of our listeners will have been the addict in the family, you know, the bad one, the one that was, you know, not good and was the alcoholic or the the uh, the drug addict, black sheep. Any resonance with anyone? It kind of reminds me of. It didn't really happen in the rehab I went to, but some rehabs they have family day. So when you're in treatment, your family can come in and you, you're sat around and this kind of happened in mine, but it was only my mother that came in. But you have to stay completely silent while the rest of your family kind of tell you what your addiction did to them in that system. And I really hated it. And I really hate the whole concept of it because it's not looking at the family as a whole. It's kind of like, let's go look how you ruined our system. <laughs> totally. And you can't say anything back to them either. You have to sit there and take it. Which did is... your mum go for it? Yeah, my mum came into my <laughs> rehab. Did she just like let rip, or was she quite reserved? She was. She made it about herself. <laughs> <laughs> no, she's not listening, eh? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> we we'll recommending listening. <laughs> but yeah, she just talked about um, possessions and stuff that I'd sold. It was. It was a bizarre day for me, but yeah. 
I mean, it's a good example again of like somewhere, the, you know, the anchor example I gave earlier, like actually someone within a system not seeing the whole system, they're just seeing like one part and they just zoom in on that. Yeah. Oh, the anchor. I thought you said ankle. Ankle. Uh, your, 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 your anchor. No, no, your ankle. Your ankle, even. Yeah. Your ankle, John, and uh, the family come around for Christmas. It's a fucking nightmare often, isn't it? It's like, it's, it's really weird. Like, people will have these awful Christmases and seem to forget it between, you know, Christmas one year and, and Christmas the next, and it then it repeats. As if you look at Twitter or, or Facebook, you know, come kind of January the 27th, it's full of people going, oh, God, I've got, I'm living in the spare room of my parents' home and it's driving me nuts. I, you know, I can't stand it anymore. So it, it's, it, it, people just keep going back, as Bob said, to that system and, and trying to get their needs met. Um, so I think the idea is that you try to find a different, uh, you spot the pattern and try to find a different system to get your needs met in. Totally. And I guess, you know, just really important, you know, disclaimer here, just to say that, like, we're not saying, like, don't be involved with your families, you know, divorce yourself and find new ones. But again, it's a really good example of, like, when you understand that it's a system, a system that operates in a certain way, you have more choice about how to interact with it and how to engage with it. Yeah. And I think, you know, for lots of people, they, find, they actually kind of find um, different families not like they just attach themselves to some household down the road or <laughs> knock on the door and go, hey, can I come in? Uh, but um, they actually kind of create alternative families. And it happens a lot with lesbian and gay people is they don't feel they're able to kind of be who they are within an existing system. So they'll, they'll form a kind of connection and a loose-knit family of friends who, um, you know, share that environment. They're literally usually a kind of, you know, queer, lesbian and gay environment, but it, it forms a kind of an alternative family. And, it, you know, it happens a lot. Paris is burning. Exactly. It's a fantastic film. Now maybe we could use that film as a bit of a uh, an example here of an alternative system. Yeah. I think, you know, for some people, when they take drugs or drink, they, they, they form a kind of community and a, and a system of acquaintances and friends that are incredibly meaningful to their lives. And then giving up drugs and alcohol takes away that, that little system. You almost have a, I hate using the word recovery, but a recovery family. So when I was one year sober, I told mistakenly, um, some family members and they didn't care and so when I told someone else I knew who was also in recovery I said oh well, my mother doesn't really care he said oh well you know you share that with us now because like we're your family and that matters to us that ma won't matter to them it matters to your recovery. I guess it's those you know shared experiences if you if you if you work with a family that you don't have uh, much in common with or, or or kind of fight against or are quite um kind of dangerous or um causing trauma you go you go away and you find you find people that um you think are gonna kind of support you or help you or or even just you know share the same kind of things that you do and uh kind of find yeah find your own kind of community i guess and and then going how to go we're going home at Christmas. It's like you're going to go back and you know live with this bunch of kind of like 
possibly you know racist auntie doris or you know who's just like you can't just like you have nothing in common with any of these people uh, let alone you know putting yourself in possible uh, re-triggering situations that you're you're playing out that you know might have been really difficult to actually leave it's you know there is a lot a lot to be said for for not just doing things for the sake of doing them like being expected to go home but you know if it's something that's that's actually going to be more damaging for your mental health to not to not do that and put boundaries in place you know like you were saying Bob it's like having an excuse now you don't have to actually put the boundary in place you don't have to say anything you know you don't have to lie or make an excuse because because you know because Covid's done it for you so it's kind of like you've got that kind of breathing space I guess to not not have to to you know say anything that might be harmful to yourself or other people. Is that the wisdom from your tea bag that you just read? <laughs> That's possibly one of them. <laughs> I have so much wisdom from the tea bag. There's a couple of things that, that that's kind of you know spoken off in me. One is that 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 psychology, the the you know the theory of the ideas around psychology, are a really useful way of understanding uh, systems and 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 patterns and seeing patterns and seeing those kind of patterns of relationships and and suggesting that there might be different ways of of, of of kind of you know responding and behaving so I think you know actually use that 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 using theory or in this instance psychology is a really good way to understand um how how certain systems will operate and the impact on you and also, and this is a, this is a very unthought through thought, but I think COVID's had this really strange, you know, there, there have been lots of positives in that it's kind of fracturing lots of things. So people are seeing systems, political systems, people are seeing the kind of the, the, the kind of disruptions and fractures in, in systems a lot more clearly because of COVID, but that's as far as I've got with that thought. But so there's a, you know, I'm quite interested in what, how, how COVID has been positive in lots of ways and helping people see things a little differently. What was that? There's somebody who said, you know, COVID has been the thing which has melted the ice, which has been covering all the cracks all this time. Okay, yeah. You know, they've always been there, but they've just been covered up and, you know, it's like shit's thawing out now. It's, you know, once again, it kind of gets back to this idea of of seeing beyond just this, like, oh, that's just how things are. Or, you know, oh, they've always been like that. Actually, that you know, that there's, there's, there is often a real kind of um, a reality beneath the reality kind of thing. It's just kind of digging that bit deeper into stuff um, and, and, and look you know approaching things maybe a bit differently one of the things that um when we're talking about family but I, one of the things I've, I've recently watched on television um was the steve mcqueen part of the small act series about um the mangrove nine um case i don't know if the rest of the team have watched it yet um but you know basically it was a miscarriage no it wasn't even a miscarriage of justice the you know the the, the kind of political activists black political activists challenged the police and the justice system and exposed that system as racist so you know 
there are also challenges to systems where where people stand up and go hold on this is just not how it is or how it should be there needs to be a change in that system and i think you're going to talk about racism at some uh later point aren't you i think bob yeah. you're going to lead on that yeah and how that is a challenge you know it isn't just like oh well you know people are just being woke oh you know it was in my day and that's all that kind of humor you get all that kind of like oh it's political correctness gone mad oh you know never used to, in the 70s we used to kind of you know never was a problem with this in the 70s and, and then it's that kind of like oh it, it's just and that's how it is it is what it is it doesn't need challenging so i think with within thinking about systems is this constant that they need cheat systems need to be challenged quite rightly and um and um, you know actually if you think about mental you know like mental health um it isn't just a natural fact that you know if you're in lucky you get you know you have poor mental health that you know there's there are lots of people lots of writers like um rd lang and um oh um foucault um challenging the idea of kind of madness being just something you get but actually they were sort of saying madness is is, is has a relationship to the system we live in and the family was one for Ardi Lang. The family was very much part of that system that 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 brought about poor mental health in people. So, you know, we talked a bit about the family as a system. I think probably the other the other big system that really really impacts people's lives and that can be quite uh, negatively is the education system that we're 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 forced to go into um from the age of around four or five did you say bowing to those those yeah, four or five. Kids. um and yeah i just wanted to kind of for the team to kind of chew on that for a bit um what were you, what were your experiences of the edge when it is a system isn't it um what 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 were our, our experiences of that I guess you're kind of primed, aren't you? You're primed to go into the world um, without questioning the system that you go into, without kind of questioning anything that isn't, you know, kind of like Western-centric, white, uh, male, you know, that you're kind of, that's your kind of go-to and, and um, you know, how to behave, how to not have a you know not be inquisitive or question um which is maybe why you know systems are something that seems quite alien because you know we're taught not to question them we're just in them and that's what they are and until you kind of have that kind of maybe being slightly outside of like one of those systems to actually see to see the, the cracks in them and to see how they don't work rather than how they do work Mm. I mean, it's, it, you know, um, I know that that this idea of of a different approach to education is is you know behind everything we do as a, as an organisation, and and the people that have influenced us are people like Paolo Freire and and Dal Hooks, who's, who's kind of very um, influential on me with the Fem course, um, and. Um, I'm currently reading um, uh, somebody who's quite new to me, a guy called Ivan Illich, 
And, you know, they're all criticizing the way that, that education as it is just trains people to be stupid, really. Um, and it, 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 it trains them to kind of not, not think and question the kind of systems they're in. Um, and also that, um, you know, the, the idea of education kind of ending. I think Ivan Illich is kind of really hot on this, that it's a really narrow time frame of like from when you were five to when you were, you know, 16, or if you go on beyond that to when you're in your early 20s, and then there you go, you've done your education, which is an odd way of thinking about education, really. I mean, I guess as well with, you know, school, it's not just, you're not just, you don't just learn there, you socialise there. You know, one of the reasons that, that um, sorry, I used to come from a travelling background and my children sometimes didn't go to school and we would communally teach our kids. Um, we had a little school trailer, we took turns um, and we taught them, you know, kind of different things that we could bring bring to them. But the fact of like wanting my children to have like be socialized to actually mix with other people not just in this kind of like bubble of a traveling community so being able to kind of go to school and especially a school in London where where they're mixing with all different kinds of cultures all different classes you know which is quite unique so so it, to be able to kind of go to a school and not just learn what your teacher's telling you but you know you learn to socialize and interact with with other people from completely bit different backgrounds to you which is kind of really important and to you know and to see that the that those systems may be uh, you know there are positive aspects to systems but but also it's really really important to see that where there's where it's not so positive and you know and how you could possibly change those systems to make them work for you. Yeah, and I feel like, you know, just quite, I suppose like, you know, when, when we're talking about things like systems, um, I first encountered how things connect by actually being on the Psychology for Change course at Foundation for Change. Um, you know, I think my education I went to art college another system and um you know I think at the time you know it was quite cool for everybody to talk about politics and you know art and yeah and yeah and it was you know it was you you had to do it you just that's what you had to do to fit in um and it was very confusing and you know not everybody's knowing particularly what they're talking about but actually I found that um in terms of encountering systems myself with psychology for change and understanding how different theories interlink together to understand yourself um, and you know the systems around you a little bit better so I feel like just in terms of education that's the one thing which has opened my eyes to seeing systems. I was thinking the other day do you know I think that one of the things that we do is we teach people to think systemically through educating them in a systemic way. So in a way, like, you know, it's, it's like you have to experience the kind of the, you have to experience how knowledge works in this kind of huge system. I'm just thinking like, I wonder how many times you've said system in this podcast, but you know, like going on a course where like everything that you're studying and learning and experiencing is all interconnected. Like that is the best way to experience systemic thinking. 
So I think that, you know, in a way we're teaching critical thinking and lots of other things, but I guess kind of like a very big overarching thing is that we're teaching people to think in this kind of systemic way by getting them to experience learning in a systemic way. And I think that's so powerful. Um, so that that feels, Bob, that feels like a, a pretty good place to wind this up now. We've, we've, we've started to kind of try to unpick and think about the, the systems that we're in and, and um, you know, perhaps thinking about them and thinking differently about the systems that we're in. And I know that the, 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 the um, and how we work with that actually, how, you know, our approach to kind of learning about these things as an organization. Um, and I know that we're going to pick this up um, in the next few podcasts and look 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 in a bit more detail at things um, and different, very sort of specific kinds of systems and looking uh, deeper into those. So I'm going to say um, goodbye from me. And I think I don't I can't imagine if they'll be able to do it all in one go together. But um, would you like to say goodbye? Three, two, one. Goodbye. Ah! <laughs> we can't. We can't. There you go. Thanks, Liz. Thank you. Thanks.